Welcome to Technology Transfer IP. Technology transfer is the process by which valuable research, skills, knowledge, and technology developed by educational institutions is transferred to industry for development and to products and services that will benefit society. From basic patent licensing to promoting startups, entrepreneurship, and industry collaborations, while also investing in and managing technology developments. We bring you conversations with the leaders in technology transfer who will share their stories, including their successes, challenges, and expectations for the future. Here's your host, Lisa Mueller. Hello and welcome. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Alice Lee, the Executive Director of the Center for Technology Licensing, also known as the CTL at Cornell University. In this role, Alice oversees activities in technology management, marketing, licensing, and outreach to support Cornell's goals in commercializing technologies, promoting startups, and building partnerships. Alice also leads the University Gap Funding Initiative to accelerate innovation and new venture creation. Alice has over 18 years of experience in university tech transfer. Alice started as a licensing officer with hands-on management of invention portfolios, negotiation of complex deals, and engagement with startup companies. Alice rose to the ranks of the CTL and became its executive director in 2014. Prior to joining the CTL, Alice was an R&D manager at BioArray Solutions, a startup biotech company in diagnostics, which was later acquired by Immunocore for over $110 million. During her five-year tenure there, the company grew from a two-person startup to an enterprise of 50 people. Alice obtained her PhD from Cornell University and a BS from Tsinghua University. She is also an inventor on U.S. patent numbers 6387707, and 7056746. In addition, Alice has been a certified licensing professional since 2010. And with that extremely impressive background, welcome to the podcast, Alice. Thanks for the invitation. It's great to be here, Lisa. Well, I'm really glad to have you here. Thanks again, Alice, for taking part in the podcast. Generally, Alice, I'd like to start the podcast off by asking my guests about their journey to tech transfer. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you ended up in Ithaca and at CTL? Well, let me say this. We often ask the kid the question, what do you want to be when you grow up? I bet the answer of that will never be I want to be in tech transfer, right? <laughs> if it is, we, we need to clone that child. <laughs> but on the other hand, I would say, just like interdisciplinary research, which is capturing creativity and new directions, I think tech transfer is in this interdisciplinary and you know, career development space that between research and commercialization, between money and social impact, and between academia and industry. So it's, it's a really fascinating area, and I think more people should be in that. For my own journey, and I um, initially after my PhD, I was engaged in this startup company, right? So it's fun. You know, I started with uh, um, um, business development and IP development and things like that. So and how we moved to Ithaca and also started this tech transfer career, and it started with something with a 
modern phenomenon called deal career. So my husband is uh, got off job job to be the professorship here at Cornell, and I want to keep in the direction of business. What can I do in in the town at that time? There's not that much ecosystem here at that time, 20 years ago, right? So I talked with the university leadership. They said, "Well, this, the closest thing we have related with business is tech transfer. So you, uh, do you want to start there?" So that piqued my interest. And hmm, this is a, a great thing. It has technology, has some. Um, business and maybe even maybe even some startups so so I got into that and I have to say that for the first couple of years there's uh, several times this urge when I look at this technology saying hmm should I start a company based on that <laughs> myself right but I think over time and I start to enjoy this more and it's also inspirational to say it's not only you yourself can start a company, you can also help others in a journey of commercialization and startup. And also, I would say over the past uh, 20 years, and you know that tech transfer, this field itself has been changing, evolving so much, right? Be changing from the initial focus on IP to a lot about commercialization and impact and tech transfer and partnership. So it is it has been a really incredible journey. I have really enjoyed it and I hope to contribute more. Yeah, that sounds like an amazing journey. And you're absolutely right. Tech transfer has just changed so much in the last 20, 25 years. It's been incredible. I'm a patent attorney and I know just how much the patent laws have changed in my almost 30 years of practicing. So I, <laughs> I understand completely what you're saying. So, Alice, for those of our listeners who may not be familiar with the CTL, can you tell us a little bit more about it? Mm-hmm. Okay, certainly. Uh, CTL is a tech, uh, tech transfer office of Cornell University. Cornell's research expenditure is over a billion dollar a year among all its campuses. And it's like a main campus. We also have two main campuses in New York City, uh, while Cornell Medicine and the new uh, Cornell Tech campus in Rosebow Island. So together, it's a very broad portfolio of research in many different areas, certainly, right? Uh, from health to engineering to IT and also agriculture and veterinary medicine. So we embrace very diverse but very rich uh, ecosystem, both in the urban and also the rural environment. And for CTR, our main uh, mission is uh, certainly to manage tech, uh, technology, but use that to catalyze commercialization and promote the startup um, formations and growth. And in addition to that, CTR also manages uh, the university gap funding series. So every year we receive over 400 invention disclosures. We enter into 70 to 100 uh, licenses and options. We create about 15 uh, uh, start a company based on our technologies or more, and, and but more importantly these days, how how these companies are doing, right? So last year, our startup raised more than $300 million in financing to support startup growth. So it has been um, a very active portfolio and active uh, activities in supporting these directions, yes. Yeah, I would say so. And I want to go back to the gap funding that you mentioned. I know you have something called Ignite, uh, which mm-hmm. is a program um, related to gap funding. I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about that. Okay, sure, certainly. Uh, gap funding, I think many universities start to pay more attention to that. And you may be aware in, in the, some of the surveys done 
for gap fundings. I think last year, I'm aware of one survey they did when there was more than 100 university uh, uh, gap funding or accelerated programs participate in such surveys. So uh, some areas we wanted to move the technology from the bench to the marketplace and also helping the startups and it, it especially in the initial ideation stage, right, to come to the next stage for uh, for the uh, success. So at Cornell, and certainly this is something we want to have, I have to say, uh, just even several years ago, it's very tiny. It started maybe with 100K, then about three, four years ago, it became like uh, 400 or 500K a year, which is significant uh, for the uh, um, program, certainly. But uh, nonetheless, and this year, we're very happy that we have these uh, major expansion is grow to about $3 million a year. It changed from a very small program to a gap funding theory, we call that, have several components in that. So, and the university researchers and innovators are really excited about this. I, I would say so. That's quite a growth yes. in that fund. Yeah, absolutely. We want to use this to build the innovation pipeline and to stimulate further commercialization and startup uh, formation and growth and to the overall success. So under this program, there are three major things we do under the series, three main uh, programs. One is at the very early stage, at lab stage, right? So you try to do a uh, proof of concept, then you move to the next stage, either by licensing to existing companies, to startup companies, or for more uh, collaborations with industries. So this is very an early stage lab, and it's a, it's a grant. It's no, no payback, any component with that. This That's first stage. And then, then the later stage that when you do have a startup, when they just launched before you get any money, and we also provided this um, there's another format about called for Ignite for Startup. And then after the validation about the initial uh, products ideas or something, hopefully help them to move to the next stage of uh, uh, either raise a C funding or Series A funding. So these are the, these are the two uh, existing programs, which much smaller, we're growing much bigger. And there's a third component, which is uh, where... Uh, uh, designing as a brand new program, we're calling the Ignite Postdoc for Ventures. Basically, we're saying, okay, at this, we have the hiring these postdocs, but it's for the purpose of starting new companies. It has a stage of working with a PI in the lab, but also have the stage, you know, phase two, they're working out with our existing three incubators on campuses to go to that stage. So with this, we're not only providing money, we also provide trainings to these people. As you know, the startups is extremely important to have the team ready, right? To That's what investors invest in, not only the technologies. So hopefully we're you know, also building a path to also train these entrepreneur uh, postdocs and engineers in that direction. So, so with all three programs together, we, you know, we really hope to make some differences. Yes. Wow, it sounds like you have a, a lot going on. And I'm just curious uh, as a follow-up question to that, um, in addition to the Ignite, um, what about other venture funding, given that you're in Ithaca? I mean, I think, you know, you're in between kind of like Boston and New York City. Uh, do you see yes. a lot of other venture funding or, or not so much? 
So I would say the venture funding situation is better than before, but you know, of course, we wish we're in Silicon Valley, exactly, exactly, <laughs> Boston as well. So, and with that said, we do have uh, some. For for example, we have a. A big red angel group that uh, associated with us, not a Cornell program, but our alumni supporting us and with some angel money. We also associated with a Trapema venture with also a, a Cornell a graduate and things like that. And there are several other programs, the early stage VCs at Kairos Venture or uh, Osage Partners and the university affiliated uh, 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 venture money. With that said, we do have some inspiration. Maybe some sometimes in the near future, we could also have program like Engine, like MIT. Do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, you can dream. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yes. So, Alice, I wanted to turn back to the CTL for a second and um, ask if you could share with us how many people are in your office and a little bit about how your office is structured. The overall CTL uh, personnel is about 35 people uh, between the Ithaca office and uh, Wild Cornell Medicine office in New York City. So it is um, a big program, but not as big as some of the leading programs in some other universities. Um, I, let me maybe mention a couple of things in its structure. You're probably familiar with the model called Cradle to Grave, right? So that's how tech transfer started from the beginning to the end. You, you have the disclosure, you evaluate the technology, you do IP protection and, uh, and marketing and, and licensing, right? So I think certainly it has been used by many offices, ourselves included for many years. But right now, given this the growth of the, the profession and how we want to more effectively do things, about two or three years ago, we uh, changed the structure. Uh, after a lot of uh, debate and uh, what we should do. And we separate that function into two main parts. One is more on the business development and licensing side. The other one more on the IP uh, protection side. In that way, we we can focus on the different teams, on different aspects of that. They still work very, very close with each other, of course, right? But with that separation, so they can be more focused on either building relationships and marketing about that. The other side, more maybe on the legal spec and deadlines. So I think that's different uh, mentality when you deal with this different aspect of it, right? So I think that we made that change. And also it's easier to find people that with a different type of expertise in those, those different areas, rather than you have this maybe a dream person which knows everything. Yeah, exactly. So, right. So that is one of the changes we made in uh, two or three years ago. And we certainly have changed our process and protocols as well uh, related to that. We're keep changing that, of course, when there's something's relatively new, not everything worked perfectly yet, right? So that is one of the main things we made some change. Another thing I want to mention is, you know, how we do this business, but yet utilize the, the new talent coming from the university, right? There Two new things I want to mention. Last year, we start hiring people called Innovation Fellow. It is termed a position and was a freshly graduated PhD student from various fields. And this 
on one side, give these uh, recent graduates some opportunities to experience different fields, maybe business development, maybe venture, maybe legal protection and of IP and different area to give them this opportunity to do that. But on the other hand, these people with expertise, tremendous uh, uh, technical expertise, right? They help us to, to, for the uh, office to evaluate technology to do more outreach to our uh, clients, the researchers, faculties, and the graduate students and postdocs, the researchers on that side to have more networking with our own clients and campus to do that. So this is what we started last year. Another one I want to mention is also related to the student that we call, it's like a, a organized intern program. We call them practicum uh, program. So that's existing uh, ongoing like PhD student with the permission of their supervisor, they engage with our office to to uh, look at technologies, and uh, this is a part of our marketing team together to draft some non-confidential information, use those to market to uh, either companies, uh, investors, or entrepreneurs. So that's also uh, something new. We're engaging with the student, but help the work uh, workflow, help then how we market these technologies. And one more thing maybe I want to mention is uh, that, you know, tech transfer office does not exist in vacuum, right? We are in the ecosystem. So particularly in today's environment with so much emphasis on startups. And so with our different locations, as you can imagine, the ecosystem we deal with is not uniform one, right? And uh, even within... uh, uh, New York City, the two campuses, the high tech, the Cornell Tech campuses, the environment, and, and while is somewhat different, but nonetheless, there are many resources and uh, different structures and ecosystem available to different places. And upstate New York is a different one as well. So, but we try to work closely with others and integrated all these things together to help overall move the uh, needles and work together with others as well. Yeah. I'm curious, Alice, how that all went during COVID, given the distance between all these different campuses um, with everybody working remotely. I'm sure there was an adjustment period and then you kind of figured it out. But were there any unique challenges during that time? I would not say it's unique challenges, but I, I you know, there are challenges we all face, right? And you know, how we keep this uh, personal relationships of with each other, how you reach. But on the other hand, we try to leverage how can give us some help right, in this. I would say, you know, in areas like, uh, uh, you know, particularly the Ithaca campus, you know, how do we reach out to our future customers, right? It gave them maybe even a little bit more leverage, right? If we want to do an event, you want to invite a bunch of people from California, then they may hesitate in the in the past the type of forum events format, but now they're saying, okay, just a couple hours, I, I can link through this uh, virtual format. So I, I think certainly it's different, but we try to uh, maybe leverage that as well. Which uh, you know, in the future, how that's going. To- shape up, we can maybe talk about that too. I think we can leverage that certainly for our future connections. Yeah, absolutely. So I wanted to switch gears a little bit, Allison, and ask you what you think is the key to success in tech transfer? Uh, do you mind I gave a quote of somebody else? <laughs> absolutely not. Go for it, I would say. Uh, maybe I want to say, you know, the Peter Drucker, you know him, right? Yes. So uh, yeah. So he once said, 
if you cannot measure it, you cannot improve it, right? <laughs> so great quote. True or not, but I think first of all, I, I would say we need to define what is success. And this is probably, you know, the start of how you how you start the path to the success, particularly for areas with this multifaceted, right? You know, we support many different directions. How you measure that, I think it's extremely important. What is the mission for each office? It may, may not be the same everywhere, right? So, and certainly, you know, when too, too many people come to mind, you know, how, how important is money, right? <laughs> right, so, and, and how important is service? service to the faculty and how important is the startup company or even the regional economic development about this. So we have all these different things, depending on who you talk to, who your the stakeholder are and who you talk to at a different time. We're very often pulling on all different directions at all time, particularly so in the profession Professionals uh, work in this field always feel, particularly these days, okay, we're asked to do everything, right? What should we focus on, but how can we deliver and what can we deliver? I think that each office, each university should have a clear metrics and how you want to do that, how and how you want to measure that. And this not necessarily to be the same everywhere. Some state schools probably have more requirement about economic development, while others don't. And some places maybe historically have a low number of a, a, a startup and want to use measure to particularly stimulate that they may not care about income that much. But in other institutions, say we do, and at, at our stage of the development, we do need something back more significantly to help the research back more. So, but I, I think this sort of thing is very important for the university leadership and for the tech transfer has to say what is most important and to be really honest to yourself. You cannot be saying, okay, this is most important to me, but behind the door, I measure it separately, <laughs> differently. So I think that is, I think the first, the key to, to, to success. Otherwise, you know, you can say the success. I say it's a failure. What that <laughs> exactly. Is. Right, right. I, I think so that the second I would say as anything else, it's a people, right? It's build the right team. And I, I would say it's not only domain expertise. You know, it could be IP. It could be something else. Uh, but also very importantly, establish the relationship internally and externally to build these trust with your client and relationship with your customers. And that is, a, a, you know, very important to have this program to support this sort of relationship building. Um, and also the third, as I mentioned earlier, you know, our engagement in our ecosystem building to be with the university, multiple different programs, and also in the region or in your state, whatever level that is to support your mission. I think this is very important. I feel like that sometimes people may be a little bit, you know, focus too much on the turf war or something. And there, there needs to be scope, needs to be metrics measured by different parts, obviously. But on the other hand, 
we really is, is a part of the ecosystem. Without such, we cannot be successful. And I, I just cannot overemphasize on that. Yeah, yeah, I think those are some great keys um, to success. And, and that was really very, very helpful. And Allison, I want to go back to something we touched on just briefly a little bit earlier. You were talking about startup companies. And I wanted to ask you how Cornell goes about supporting its startups. Okay. Maybe let me mention a uh, various aspect. Yeah, in the particularly with startup, it does uh, again with the ecosystem. Uh, may, let me start with the things, not the CTL, some some other uh, component university build. And uh, certainly, university uh, felt that this is important areas, and then most of the most of the uh, things I mentioned actually build within the past 10 years or even five years, right? Um, let me just mention a couple. And one area is, is uh, incubators, accelerators, right? So uh, on the Ithaca campus, we have one is called McGarvin uh, Incubator. That's for life science. This is probably the oldest among the incubators here. That uh, it's uh, um, established about 10 years ago and uh, have since helped more than 25 clients and more than 150, uh, more than $180 million, I believe, funding raised through these startups. And some of them are very successful, which I will use examples. And just two years ago, we had another incubator in uh, physical science and IT as uh, called Praxis. So, and particularly helped uh, startup in this areas. And that was um, uh, 2018 started, has uh, quite a number of companies in them already and some are graduating uh, as well. And with that said, I also might want to mention this accelerator program called eLab, uh, BioVenture eLab at uh, Wow Medical uh, School. So this um I think it's about five years ago. They have many, many programs and initially probably helping more on the student entrepreneurship, but now also with many technology startups have many uh, events and mentorships and business plan challenges and becomes a pillar in their uh, that um, community as well. And at uh, Cornell Tech, one of the famous programs there called uh, post uh, uh, runway program, which is uh, starting companies and hiring postdocs for that. The, in the one of the uh, earlier Ignite postdoc program actually was inspired by this uh, early stage experiment uh, that uh, becomes quite successful. So those incubator accelerators, and also I already uh, mentioned um, uh, Ignite gap funding. There is another one, um, called Dataless Fund at Ohio Medical School. That is also very important one to support the, our health, uh, technolo- health-based technologies over there. So those are the some of the examples of gap funding. And at CTL, there's maybe one more thing I want to mention is uh, uh, about two or three years ago, we started this uh, fast track uh, startup licenses and it's sort of experiment. We see, you know, where, how, how, how we can maybe put the this, uh, process more transparent and educational so the new uh, type of uh, entrepreneur can get into that and they know they assure that it's a fair and reasonable deal they can get into, right? So we started with engineering and physics side and now we're expanding to other areas as well. 
And I think this is a good time for me to ask you, Alice, could you share with us maybe two of CTL's biggest success stories, whether they're startups or technologies or perhaps other things? Mm -hmm. So I, again, how you define the biggest. Exactly. (laughs) But let me give you some uh, uh, couple of examples or just in a different area has its own uniqueness about this, right? So the first one I want to mention is a relatively new one. Um, the reason I want to mention that is because uh, this is becoming a household name and some people recognize for special reasons and you, you will know why. It's a company called Embark. So it's um, what it does is uh, dog genetic companies that pro- provide a very accurate and a dog DNA test. So it's available for dog owners and breeders, uh, veterinarians uh, for many programs. The reason becomes a (laughs) household name is, you know how many dog owners are there. So sometimes when I have this conversation, people will say, yes, my dog is tested. (laughs) And so many people got dogs during COVID. I'm sure they're doing very well. So so this one, I sometimes would have mentioned that, you know, in U- U.S. or even in other countries, I was talking to some, somebody in U.K., they said, yes, I know that one. So, so I think this is, in terms of financial success, um, recently it, re- it raised a Series B and it was a valuation about uh, $700 million. So but it's considered it's just very new company. It's, uh, it started just a few years ago and it went through our... Um, uh, McGovern incubator I mentioned earlier. So then I saw this is, has really rapid growth of success about that one. And also with uh, touches as at least some subset of the population. Exactly, line. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. Another one I want to briefly mention called uh, Pacific Bio. This is, is a public company now is with our uh, market cap of six billion and uh, it's one of the pioneers in DNA sequencing and genetics. So that's a, a success story for our engineering school. Another another one, maybe also from engineering school, I mentioned that in a different angle called Kionics, is uh, makes uh, MEM sensors for cars and other devices. The reason I want to mention that one is because this company did stay local in upstate New York. That's great. And so have hundreds of employees and then you know, later on was acquired by another company, but still stay local. So has very uh, a lot of high paying jobs in local age. So we do want to support this sort of startup as well. And um, the um, the founder of that and you know, stay very close with Cornell and supporting new generations of uh, entrepreneurs and from the student body. And hopefully you can continue to encourage them to stay local as well. Right, right. We don't want to restrict them here, of course. It's best for their growth, but if some of them c- can stay and that, that, that'd be wonderful. Well. Absolutely. Yeah. So Alice, with great success also comes challenges. So I'm wondering what two of your office's biggest challenges are. Um, I would say this part, I, I mean, maybe I want to say it a little broader, maybe not just my offices. And uh, as I said, this has a lot of commonality to the trans- uh, tech transfer field. And uh, one thing I would say is the changing nature of this profession, right? So, and certainly with challenges comes with a lot of opportunities as well. But nonetheless, I think it's it, very often people 
you know, feel this uncertainty, right? Where we're heading and giving this uh, uh, different priorities and natures. And you probably heard, you know, you know this field pretty well. How many universities in tech transfer office even changed their names in the past? It, it is interesting <laughs> how frequently they change their names. Uh, or even changed it twice in the past 10 years. Right? Yeah, they're so, constantly changing. Right. So I, I want to say in that way, um, so the evolving priority, you know, linked to what we said earlier, the metrics was the most important thing, right? The, the startups, the partnerships, economic development, right? So I I would say we're, you know, both as a um, profession and also in an individual level, what we're, uh, you know, uh, facing in that direction. However, I, I would say that I always tell people when there are all the eyes on this, that means how important this is. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Right. right. So uh, so with that, and also you can see, as I mentioned, many of our ecosystem, the, the things built within the last five to 10 years, and also with uh, you know our new gap funding. So that's certainly a lot of interest in this, but how to do that, right? So, and sometimes people feel like, feel like anxiety, exactly what should we measure? Should we change that? What this is best practice and before is that now I said, don't, don't rely on just how we used to do this. Let's, to, let's think about what is how the best to do it now. And which also we're not restricting what, what is best to do that in the future. We constantly adjust to what do we need to do, but also leveraging this opportunity, what we, we have in that. And once I think we have this very open mind, we'll feel, we'll feel less anxious about, okay, you know, what, what do I do in this changing environment? And I think that is, uh, um, something true for my office and also for many offices as well in, in this uh, in this industry. That's one thing. Another one I would say for the tech transfer field is um, it's probably at um, higher maybe national level or maybe globally. It's it's becoming more and more like global competition. I felt like the innovation and also venture uh, this uh, the level, you know, how to capture technology and what will be the driving force for the future economy and for the U.S. and how do we stay competitive, right? And their national level, I know they're try, trying to pass laws, gain more money, and but that's only a small portion about it in each university. How we do that and and in the tech transfer. You know, how we do that, support these uh, new innovative culture using, you know, technology driven uh, um, uh, opportunities. But in, in but on the other hand, I have to say this is a sort of a, it's not one side story. Yes, we want to have this innovation to have our country stay competitive. But on the other hand, many solutions or many future um, important issues are not country-based, it's global. For example, like uh, climate or, or, or energy or uh, something like that. So then you also have to have a collaborative front to do that. And so in, in, in some way to create this platform and create some benefit, societal benefit, that's for the humankind, 
And I think this way we seem, need to think on one side very competitively how we make that, but on the other hand, how we also be more embracing. So I, I don't necessarily think there's an answer, maybe for different field, different time. There are different solutions, but I don't think we should lose track of that. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, those are some great challenges. And I think you definitely give all of us a lot to to think about. Um, Alice, I wanted to switch gears a little bit and ask you about diversity, equity and inclusion, because this is a very important topic that, you know, going back to your point about things being talked about globally or competitive, um, being competitive on a global scale. Um, this is a topic that's touching tech transfer offices um, everywhere. So I wanted to know, does CTL or Cornell have any programs to help and encourage and assist women and other traditionally underrepresented inventors and entrepreneurs? But this part, I, I need to say we're just starting. That's okay. <laughs> I have a little something I started, maybe uh, hopefully just as a seed <laughs> right now. And yeah, it started maybe a couple of years ago. First, we were saying, where are we even this? Let's get some data. And um, the data collecting process was uh, uh, itself <laughs> very painful. It, it can be very challenging. Right, because we do not have such data recording in our database. And I uh, I was looking like a woman in the mentor participation rates so or like how we started, there's no such information. <laughs> we, we, we started by looking at the names. <laughs> and initially I thought I was crazy, but I was looking at the study done by USPTO and I look at that. They started the same. Oh, it's too funny. <laughs> the name. They did it the same way. They didn't have the data either. Yeah, it right. was pretty they interesting. They started with the name. And I'm like, okay, I'm not crazy, but this needs to be better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we did some manually, you know, but we got some collectors of the initial data that our woman inventor rate is about like 23%. And you know, probably better than some other data we see some other places, but still it has a lot of room to improve. And our uh, women's participation in our uh, funding, our uh, startups is about 18%, uh, something like that. We did this manually and uh, we said, okay, how we can improve this. Last year, we started this program called Women Innovator Initiative by hosting about uh, different uh, uh series and connecting the events and also another side and you know, having um, um, mentorship programs for this. We just started very small and also collaborating with other uh, efforts on campus to help women in, uh, engineers and inventors. Uh, with that said, this other underrepresented groups and I do not even have such data. I, just, I, I think with this, there will have several thoughts. One is how even maybe in the future collecting such data. So we're talking about some database and talking with HR, how we can help at least, you know, establish some baseline to move forward with that. Another thing we're thinking is with our gap funding program, at least use some of that program to promote diversity of our inventors. And I'm also talking with some uh, NSF program, you know, how we can maybe improve on that. And I'm not saying, you know, certainly we just, we're doing maybe too little at this moment, but this is certainly a direction 
I want to to do more and help others. Maybe also collaborating with other universities. I know many universities start to think about it and start a different initiatives. And maybe together we can also uh, collaborate and join forces to tackle this problem a little better. So I also wanted to ask you um, as well, what organizations, things like LES or Autumn, are you involved in and what value do you think they add? Mm -hmm. So I think the two main uh, professional organizations in this field, and you know them all, the Autumn and LES, right? For Autumn, maybe it's a little closer to university tech transfer, right? I, I, I would say... In the past 20 years, and with the changing of this profession, I also witnessed how autumn changed <laughs> over it the years. It has definitely changed. You'll probably see that too, right? Yes, I have. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I, I, do, I, I have to say, I think they did a good job to follow the needs of these members who need uh, new directions. And if you go to autumn meetings these days, it's very different uh, than before, right? It's very crowded. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's a lot more active in, yeah. you know, the connection with the the industry, the investors and uh, and uh, 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 entrepreneurs. So it feels much more driven by, you know, deals, by the partnerships and connections uh, with that. So I I'm really glad they you know, they grow with the profession and you probably know in the maybe Two or three years ago, they debated maybe changing the name of Autumn. So they, in the end, we kept the name, but it does not have the original spelling out anymore. So this is really the become the profession to, you know, promote university innovation, not just, you know, restricted to licensing on the IP. I'm really glad that this is what uh, um, this, prof- this prof- professional organization is doing and also not not only support the, this field, but also the professional individuals that be able to adapt, to learn, to, to be educated in this uh, programs together. So I, I, I do think it's very important. For LES, let me ask you the question. What's the favorite program at, at LES do you like? Actually, I'll have to admit, um, I haven't been a member of LES for a couple of years now. <laughs> I think LES, I think the angle is different. My favorite topic there is if I go to the meeting, then they they have this uh, every year encore is top 10 core decisions of the year. Ah, yes. Yep. Right? <laughs> uh, yeah. And those, I would assume, cut across a number of different fields that licensing, probably patent related uh, yes. trademark is yes. what I'm feeling. They probably cut right, across. Right. Yeah. Right. So then another, another one of a favorite is their royalty rate surveys, which they publish in different fields. It's extremely useful for deal making. So I, I do think LES really uh, continuously to support the learning process of, of us and, uh, and, and in, to be able to continue having these domain expertise to support our clients and things like that. Well, I think congratulations is in order for you, Alice, because um, you Thank were you. recently <laughs> elected to Autumn's board of directors, which is fantastic. You and, and Angie Miller from LifeArc are the two new board members. So I'm curious, why were you interested in, in joining the board? 
I think the main thing, actually, the word can be used is to serve. <laughs> I think that's great. And, and, uh, and particularly, and I, of course, I'm not trying to hide my age. <laughs> 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 my kids are older now. <laughs> Hinting you have more free time. I'm just teasing you. Well, that may be a, uh, some factors as well, we have to say, because everything competing for our time. Absolutely. Right? So, um, but with that, I think, uh, you know, we have get so much from our, our career, from our profession. And uh, I think it's really, uh, it is a, to serve. And particularly this profession, we, we already talked enough about this, like changes of, of our, our field, change of the profession. I think in terms, I wanted to be able to support Autumn in itself to making its strategic decisions, how we do our business, how to make the impact of the university research and how this innovation relates to the society. And I think there's many changes still coming despite the past changes. So I, I think this is, if I can contribute to that process uh, while Autumn is navigating that, that's one thing I want to do. And also another aspect in, for its members, right? For individuals involved in this. And with this change, how each individuals help, you know, we, uh, we adapt and make difference while still enjoying what we do, right? So this is the main focus of Autumn, like to educate, to advocate, and to make connections. I think that's important to us and also important to the individuals. So, so I want to help the people, you know, particularly in this field to, to move forward with that as well. Yeah. Well, we're all looking forward to uh, having you on the board. So again, congratulations. That's fantastic. So Alice, I wanted to switch gears and ask you about your view on credentialing, um, things like certified licensing professional. What's your view on it? And do you think it makes a difference? Um, myself, I have a, a CLP, right? Uh, credential. So obviously, I think it's important. Um, um, however, I do have some new thoughts about this. And I think it has a value in our profession since uh, People are coming from different backgrounds, right? Some with uh, technical background, some with business and legal and all sorts of things. I think if we have these sort of a credential, we are reasonably comfortable when we, you know, talk with each other. They're, we're speaking the same language. We're following similar principles. And to, to that part, I think it's important. And also in terms of the on ongoing changes, there are so many new rules, new laws and stuff like that. We're making sure we're aware of all these things. I think it's important. But however, I, I'm thinking, you know, these days things, they're different types of works we do some you know that are lawyers some are business people but i think as the base become broader or broader i'm i'm start to think you know is that one size fits all or how should be this be evaluated should this be updated in one way or other i i'm I'm not an expert in that, but I'm I'm thinking about maybe there uh, something can be more suited, or maybe this thing it, itself can evolve to reflect the broader uh, base about our profession and how we support our clients. Yeah. Well, Alice, I generally like to close the podcast by asking my guests if you could have any three wishes granted or a vision realized for your office, what would that be? Uh. 
This is a wild question, as you know. <laughs> it is. It is. And you can't it can't ask for more wishes. Sorry. Yeah. Let's say you have a magic wand. Boo. I have the environment around this work. My office is, is to be like Silicon Valley. How about that? Ah, there you go. That's a good wish. That's a very good wish. <laughs> but, you know, jokes aside. But I, I would say, you know, maybe in a different areas in in resource and the structures. And certainly we're already started many initiatives to to help us reach that level of connections and outreach. We may never reach that, you know, high density of, um, you know, type of investors or, or people there. But hopefully we reach the you know, quality ones, we have more uh, resources and uh, structures to help us with this with this journey. That's one thing I would say on one side. And in terms of the people and talent, right? Um, and I, you, 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 and a touch base on this briefly earlier, you know, how this pandemic changed our life, right? So with this, I would say our thinking is we certainly want to make more outside connections. We also wanted to um, have talent people in our team, right? So I think this current technology development and also whatever this social force experiment taught us is that we can leverage this maybe to reach out more to people, more connections, market marketing and network and all these things on one side. And also in terms of talent, um, you know, recruiting talent, I think this uh, we're doing a hybrid model of that, right? So I think in that maybe we can things. Yes, we still be together some of the time, but maybe as less sort of a barrier to the regional thing if we can use some hybrid model about this. So, so this is uh, uh, another layer I'm thinking about peoples and talent. And overall speaking, but back to this office things mentioned. This is the office. I, I would really hope that I can help people in the office really to you know, have joys in their work and live in the environment they want to live <laughs> and feel that they, they can make a difference. Because I think that's what will really make people happy. And we are working in technology and innovation. I think in the end, and that should improve people's lives not adding, just adding to our stress and anxiety. <laughs> no, I couldn't agree more. I think right. that's a great last wish. Yeah. So with that, you know, we start whatever we preach in our, near us, right? How about we make this work for, for these profession and they help others to do the same. Absolutely. Very well said. Thank you. So, Alice, <laughs> I, I really can't thank you enough for all your insights and time today. This has been an absolute pleasure if any of our listeners want to reach out and ask you any questions, where can they reach you? Okay, well, certainly my email, xl11.cornell.edu, but if they cannot get that, you know, type in Google, right, Cornell Tech Transfer, my name, and I'm sure they can find it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think you're too hard to find, to be honest. And I think you're on LinkedIn as well, too. People can yes, message yes. you there We're as linked. well. We're linked, right? Yes, exactly. We're linked, yes. So... Well, great. Well, thank you so much again, Alice. This has really been fantastic to have this opportunity to talk to you. Thank you. Absolute pleasure, Lisa. Thank you for listening to Technology Transfer IP. Please visit us online for more resources at techtransferipforum.com. 
New to tech transfer or a seasoned pro? Autumn is the global member organization for tech transfer and is here to help you get connected, get smart, and get ahead. Whether you work in academia, research, government, business development, corporate engagement, or startups, Autumn is dedicated to supporting you through education, advocacy, networking, and promotion. Join and you'll receive 20 free live webinars, as well as meaningful discounts on meetings and courses, insider access to a vast network of colleagues to help you through challenges, and a line on new technologies and the university decision makers who license them. Membership is open for 2023. Join us.